Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Join Myra, Jeff with a G, Dr. Sam, Jeffrey, and me, Jeff with a J, as we work to debunk those leadership myths. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. Our question and MC extraordinaire today, and he's going to take us through a, a rather interesting topic that has some, it's, I love this topic, and simply because it has so many implications about how to do things in business. Mr. Geyer, what are we going to be talking about today? Take it away. We uh, Thank you, Jeff. We are um, going to talk today about what if your boss comes to you and says, I, I want massive systemic change in our organization. Things have to change. This this is ridiculous and pretty good topic for today where it seems seemingly things are changing every day anyway. But the boss says, we, we basically want to change this thing and we need to make it happen now. And so the, that, that kind of myth that we can change things and change them rapidly and intentionally is a little interesting. A systemic change, and, and let's talk a little bit about what systemic um, means. It, it's a change that, you know, pervades all parts of a, a system, taking a system, taking into account that the interrelationships and the interdependency among the parts that are in the system. And so it, it's uh, systemic is, in fact, you hear it a lot uh, today in the news and, and what have you about, oh, the, the system, whatever system we're talking about is broken. And we therefore we need to systemically overhaul the, the whole thing and we need to do it quickly. And the, the truth is that to get a really good systemic change that really changes an entire system takes five or more years because we're talking about changing the entire system, not just a small um, piece of it. In fact, back in 1995, Price Waterhouse had a change integration team as they were trying to, to uh, modify and change things in their systems. And this integration team came up with the, the realization that you can't change one thing without changing the whole thing. And so I kind of think massive systemic changes from the Department of Redundancy Department that massive and systemic are the, the same thing. Let's talk a little bit about that. I know, Conroy, you got got some thoughts on changing one thing without changing the whole thing. What the listener in Eastern Oregon doesn't understand is that before we, we start doing these podcasts, we, we talk beforehand and sometimes it can be rowdy and sometimes it can actually be productive. But one of the things I talked about with the systemic change is a lot like the Avengers movies put out by Disney who does not sponsor this podcast yet. Yet they talk about the timeline and the end game. They talk if you're gonna if you're gonna adjust the past, it's gonna affect the future. And my experience with systemic change, and I think systemic change is a buzzword right now, is it does not happen overnight. It's like turning an aircraft carrier on a dime. And every organization that I've led, it has taken a minimum of three years to turn that aircraft carrier because you're not just you're not just changing one thing it's like i said it's changing many things you've got to change in the nonprofit world where i come from is not only are you changing the board members 
but you're also changing the flyers, the letterhead, the correspondence, the email. Everything you do within your corporation, change it to reflect the the new cultural message that you're putting out. And that patience needs to happen. When I work with leaders right now, they want to do it and they want to do it right now. It's the fast food mentality. And it doesn't work that way. It's, it's more of a five course meal. It's, you've got to do it really slowly, really with intention and really with attention to detail. Because if you don't, those people that work with you aren't going to take you seriously. They're going to say, this is a flavor of the month. You've got to keep, for lack of a better phrase, beating that same drum that the cultural change that you're trying to lead. And it's hard. It is hard because you're going to have a percentage of your people that are, are working with you that are going to be the naysayers. And they'll probably be the ones that either need to conform or they're going to find their happiness elsewhere. And that's always been my mentality is you never be held hostage. Stick with your mission, stick with your purpose, stick with your culture that you want to put in place and take your time doing it because it's going to take time. So, so Dr. Sam, if, if I can, you come or at least have lots of experience in the, the higher education world where if the news is any um, indicator of truth, and I know it's not, I don't even know why I said that. That's crazy. The education system in our country is changing rapidly. So what are your thoughts on this whole step change the whole system? And how, how do you make that happen? Well, it's not dissimilar. To what uh, Kyle was just describing, and prior to this forced change of recent uh, year and a half-ish, they would talk about higher education. The change model is glacial, where it would just take forever to get anything done. But part of that was for the reasons that Jeff described. You'll just say, one day, we're doing this whole thing differently. You have to get different segmented groups on board and ensure that their space is understood how they're going to how the change will affect them. And higher ed folks like anybody, they want their living room furniture rearranged. They just want to go about and do their stuff. So if we're going to say, yeah, we're going to remodel. Okay, how's it going to look? How's it going to affect us? What's our yep. timeline? What's it mean? They want some detail laid out. Yep. Uh, but the, the things that have affected it recently, being the, the pandemic being one, we've had some examples of this before. This is obviously dramatic and significant. I worked in a state years ago where it got to be a point where every year was a budget cut. And it wasn't a question of if, it was just how much. And we were doing budget cut models on 10, 20, 30, and 40% cut from the state. You start to really evaluate what you need and what you don't. So we talk about systemic change. It's on the table because you can't operate the same way you always did with a, a cut like that. So my long way around to get to the point is higher red can't change into it quickly if forced to do. But I think that's probably the case for most organizations. If there's not a force, then the drive to get change done super fast maybe isn't there quite as uh, readily. Exactly. I'm in a current situation where uh, we're trying to do systemic change and not everybody is on board with it. And I'm in the middle of it. So it's just, it can be a little tension filled, <laughs> if you <Yeah>. will. <laughs> but the vision is still there. And I still talk the same vision and I still talk about where I want to be in three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that even right there, that's a perfect point. That could be a podcast all its own is one of the responsibilities of the leader is to cast that vision while they're working to change all those things that need to be changed to allow that vision to come to fruition or, or to allow you to accomplish the mission. Yeah, that's good stuff. So here's a question maybe for um, Myra or anybody jump in here. Is there such a thing as non-systemic change? 
can we change things, one small thing in an organization or with a group of people that doesn't, that Avenger thing you were talking about, Jeff, can we change something that really doesn't ripple through organizations? If the answer is, That's well, an oxymoron. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. an oxymoron. How do you change without, <laughs> with stuff not changing? Anything you do, any tweak you do is going to change something. Ideally, we're all interconnected in, in within a work situation or a family yes. situation or a team situation. There's nothing that we do that doesn't affect everybody at some level. That's just um, a, a fact of human interaction. So I'm not sure how any amount of change could not have an, some kind of, of a reaction or where it makes people think that, gee, something's changed and I'm not part of it. And that's what I think we have to really be careful of when we make changes that we know that people are going to feel the tension whether they know about it or not. They're going to feel a dissonance that this wasn't like it was yesterday. And they're going to start questioning other things because of that. So to answer your question, Jeff, I believe hands down, we can't have one small part of a change. Even if it's completely out of our department, it's going to have some kind of effect on a working culture. You mentioned the the, uh, ripple effect, and that's where I was going in my head. So if you've got the same five pound rock and you throw that five pound rock into the ocean or a swimming pool or a wading pool or a stock pot, that rock will displace the same amount of water no matter where it is. But the ripple effect is going to change significantly based on the size of the, the entire ecosystem. The environment. So I'm sure the change can exist, but I throw that same rock in the ocean here in the Pacific and nobody in the Indian Ocean gives a flying rat's finger because there is no effect on their end. Yeah, yes, physically, theoretically, butterfly wings, all that kind of nonsense. Yeah, there is something, but not to the point where they're going to notice and say, oh, wow, my life is different now. But if you are in that stockpot, you're not going to mistake the fact that process. You have to be looking for better ways, more efficient ways, all that stuff to to lead the people or lead the project or or what have you. So being a change agent, and I I really don't like that thing because I get all kinds of different thoughts in my head and go, well, you're the agent of, of doom. Some people would say, all right, you're talking about earlier and the people saying, oh, like it or don't understand yeah. it. They're going to go be happy somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just, I, I think leading change is probably one of the, maybe in the top two or three responsibilities of any effective leader. I think vision is number one. I think vision a leader has to have the vision of where the organization is going to go. And in order to have that, by having that vision, then you can figure out how do I get there? And that's where the change comes in. But you got to have that vision. And not to derail everything, but I think this conversation makes me go back to the original premise. Boss wants massive systemic change today. Oh, yeah. I would ask, okay, dear boss, what do you mean by that? Exactly. And- are you really just upset today about something? Exactly. <laughs> Let's have a cup of coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And been there, done that, got the t-shirt and it's got holes in it. I've had bosses say, completely overhaul this by the end of, by Friday and it's Wednesday. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You're now going to piss off a bunch of people and a customer base because a customer base is going to see that because... It, it, it's talking about the chain. You're going to make the change. You're going to irritate your employees. You're going to, they're going to put out a crappy product. 
and the customers are not going to like that product. It's a, it's that it, it chain of excellence, and and you just put a big wrinkle in that chain of excellence. You it, just bring up a really important point, and I don't want it to get biased without mentioning it. Is somebody that is visionary is who's who's looking at fifty thousand feet there, and especially if they're not interacting day to day in in the everyday running of an organization but is in the leadership, high-level leadership position, may not always realize that they're throwing that rock into a stockpot. Yep. Uh, and that is mid-management, unfortunately. They get to deliver that message. And sometimes there's a breakdown in that line of communication. Hmm. Either they're not comfortable with sharing their feelings or they're not there long enough. Or But that is one of the biggest reasons that visionaries who can see things that we can't benefit from a coaching relationship. Exactly. And, and I worked with a guy who ran a, a manufacturing company and he wanted change so badly and so quickly, he would circumvent middle management and go talk to the frontline work. What are you doing? First of all, now you got frontline workers who are now afraid of the, the CEO and you got middle management who are doing the, well, why am I here if you're going to talk to my people? So they're getting marching orders directly from the CEO, not from the people that are actually managing them. And that causes another wrinkle in the chain of excellence. For sure. And sometimes, like, like you mentioned, Byron, it falls to middle management to kind of bridge that gap, not to actually bridge that gap. And one of the, the tactics I used to use, it's not a tactic as much as just an approach, but somebody said they want big fat change. Okay. Instead of saying, no, this will work because of these things you haven't thought through, but rather, what do we think about this kind of roadblock? Or what do we think about our people when we say, this is how it's going to change, how it affects them, how I'm going to address that response and help think through that whole process. But not everybody's comfortable doing that. I did hear somebody say, you know, that's what I hire you for. We could, I could talk for hours on this. I find this fascinating because the perception of change can just happen overnight is such a myth. Yeah, and it can't. It's, it's, if you've got a small, medium, or large company, it really doesn't matter because it's all encompassing. It's not just we're going from small paper clips to large paper clips. Are you going to some small paper clips to large paper clips because you're buying more paper? And when you buy more paper, you're spending more money. If you're spending more money, you got to make more money. If you're making more money, you got to do more market. It's crazy. So it's fun. It's a cookie approach to leadership. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Eastern Oregon, it's give a horse a bail. Got it. Give a horse a bail. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I could talk for hours on this. We didn't really say it this way, but what I heard you all saying was that systemic change or maybe even any change cannot be accomplished alone. It, it can't be the boss just coming down and saying, we're going to change this. It, you need experienced, competent, engaged people to help you. And if those folks aren't inside your organization, uh, where are you going to find them? It, it, it takes competent people, but you got to have competent people who are buying into the vision, bless you. Uh, you got to have the vision first and then the people to buy into that vision and get excited about it to put forth that new systemic culture. And, and where you find, and those people will gravitate towards that. The people that don't like it will not gravitate for it for, uh, and they will either leave automatically and find their happiness elsewhere or the peer pressure will kick in and they will be forced out and find their happiness elsewhere. And Myra's uh, question before, you know, what the boss says to the middle manager, that's your job to make people toasty, warm with it. That's where the leadership needs their coach. Yeah. Because they should be competent enough to say, 
I'm going to run this thing out there. It's going to be a big fat change. People want to react. How do I think this through? If they really care about their organization and their people, they will think that through. If they really don't have too much concern about whether people quit or are happy or whatever, sure, go out and just make a change, stomp around, do what you got to do. But it won't be nearly as effective as if you no. talk across somebody who's not involved to get a good uh, point of view and perspective and then roll it out in a more manageable, meaningful way. And when I say people are going to find their happiness elsewhere, I, I don't mean just cut and dry. It's for sure it, the way I would do it in a way other respectable leaders would do it is this is the change we're going to go. I'm going to go to this department with this middle manager. I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to say, I'm going to leave this up to middle manager and I'm going to work with middle manager to see how you guys are doing, but this is middle manager. So what I'm doing is I'm edifying my middle manager in front of his peers, but they need to know that they need to visibly see that I'm backing middle man and then go back and, and do your, your checkpoints with your middle manager and then come back on occasion. I'm not talking daily. It could be a, a weekly um, managed by walking around MBWA just to support your middle manager uh, in that, because if your middle manager is having trouble, you may need to be there, but that's the whole servant leader mentality is leading people who don't know they're being led is working with those middle managers to make that systemic change happen and then measure it and how you're doing. I could. Yes, so that, yeah, this good stuff. Like you're saying there, Jeff, uh, we, this podcast could go on and on. It's a leading change systemic or otherwise is a really big subject. And but if you're out there listening to this podcast and you need help or you're in the middle of systemic change uh, and, and you just don't send us an email, reach out to us. Our email address is askus at leadershipes.co. Ask us at leadershipes.co. And we would love to help you. That's our thing is to help leaders grow and, and to see and, and change things maybe that they can't see in our struggle change. So with that, parting thoughts. Yep. Parting thought is that change is both difficult and inevitable. So go forward with it with intentionality. And these big systemic changes can happen with a thoughtful process. If you're going to make systemic, if you're going to make systemic changes, make sure you do it as a team. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're on a long, lonely walk. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> there's, there's three things that are absolutes in this life: death, taxes, and change. It's going to come. <laughs> Don't resist it, um, but work with it. There you go, and with that. Was that yeah, I mean, it was. With that, reach out to us. Ask us at leadershipbs.co. One more time. Ask us at leadershipbs.co. And with that, we will see you. Now, McLaughlin always says we'll see you, but this is a podcast. So we will hear from you and you will hear from us next week. Thanks for listening and go make it a great. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. If we use your email questions or comments, you will win a DISC behavioral assessment and debrief with one of our highly trained podcast teammates. And last but not least, don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much and tune in next time. We'll see you then.